My name is Susie. I have three children, the youngest of whom struggles with anxiety, depression, and suicidal ideation. I never thought this could happen to me, and I miss the signs. Being a parent is really hard, but I'm here to help. I'm talking to other parents and experts to help you with the struggles that your kids may face. I want you to know that you are not alone and there is hope. I'm not a physician, therapist, or counselor. I'm just a mom. I want to see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. On this episode of the Just a Mom podcast, I am truly honored to be joined by Christina Miller. Hi, Christina. Hi, thank you for having me. Thank you for agreeing to do this um, episode of the podcast. This name might be familiar to our listeners or some of our listeners because you and your son have been been very public with your son's mental health journey. Christina's son, his name is Harry Miller. He was uh, a five-star football recruit out of Georgia who played at The Ohio State University. I am wearing red because I always try to support whatever team or organization that I'm I'm talking to. Um, so I'm wearing red in honor of The Ohio State University today. And the amazing story that you and um, your family has about Harry's mental health journey. It has already impacted a lot of people I know, and I am really honored that you would agree to have this conversation with me for our listeners. So thank you again for, for doing this, Christina. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm happy to do it, and we have to keep talking about it. So let's go. That's exactly right. Why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself and your family um, so typical, uh, family of four, um, J- uh, Harry has a younger brother, Jack, uh, who's about six years younger than he is. Um, and, uh, living in, uh, North Georgia area in Buford, um, you know, Harry started playing football in second grade. And, and from that time on, people are, were already talking about where he was going to go with it and what he was going to do with it. So, um, it was kind of our journey. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, you know, the typical, typical stuff and how to, you know, go through all the recruiting and, and the visits and travel all over the place and, <laughs> and then decided on the Ohio state. That must've been a really fun and exciting time. It was um, very fun, uh, overwhelming. Um, you know, you talk to so many people, and um, it's very hard to make a decision because really everybody's offering the same thing uh, in in one respect, but on a, a on a different level, it, they're all very different. So mm-hmm. you really have to choose what's best for you and your situation, and. Uh, in our case, or in Harry's case, we decided to focus um, on the whole picture. We did a spreadsheet, actually, <laughs> if you can believe it. I and did it with um, the the degree that he wanted to go after, which was engineering, and which schools had that. So that automatically eliminated schools right away. Um, and then we wanted to couple that with a school that could produce 
um, high level uh, players. Um, so we wanted the whole package. And, uh, and then the third part of that was um, continuing with, with his um, mission work in Nicaragua. And uh, Urban Meyer had really set up a really strong foundation for him to meet athletes in action uh, on the Ohio State campus who uh, was willing to work with Harry to get student athletes to go with him to Nicaragua um, and, you know, do talks and, and, and be present on the Ohio State uh, campus in that regard. And uh, that was a huge, huge motivating factor for us. You know, uh, Urban is a master, <laughs> a master recruiter. He knew what uh, was in Harry's heart, and that was a big part of it. And he's one of the only people that really addressed that from day one and said, if that's something that you want to do, we'll support it. And, uh, and we'll see, you know, what we can do um, to, you know, get you uh, a voice on campus to bring other student athletes with you. Mm. So and they did that. So, um, you know, those three things together were huge, huge factors. Did Harry think that he wanted to go into the NFL as as he was growing up in football and I'm guessing had a lot of accolades and attention as a younger boy and then obviously being a five-star recruit out of high school? Was that his goal in high school, was to eventually end up in the NFL? Um, I'd say he had two goals. You know, it wasn't really um... – a goal until it kind of became reality because it wasn't on our radar. Um, but in high school, when he started getting more attention and we said, you know, wow, this is actually really a possibility. Like this yeah. could really, uh, and then you, you know, have 40 offers later and could pretty much go to any school that you want to go to. Um, uh, I would say, yeah, he, he did have the dream of the NFL. He actually had two dreams. One was to go to the NFL and the other would be uh, to have, to get a Rhodes scholarship. Mm. Um, so uh, yeah, that was very much in his plan. Obviously Harry is a smart young man, engineer, wanted to be an engineer. Uh, I've read enough to know that he has a 4.0 grade point average in engineering, which is pretty awesome. And he maintained that while he was playing the highest level of college football you can play. So he's, it would appear to me as though Harry's a very talented, intelligent, obviously athletic young man. And driven, very driven. Driven. Yes, so. he he is, and, and you're right. Maintaining that during um, playing while playing football at Ohio State uh, or any high level uh, place is phenomenal. Um, very difficult to do. People really don't understand what these athletes uh, go through, and and it's not just the 15 hour days that um, you know that you would expect from a working athlete, right? You're, you have your classes and you still have to do your training and your workouts and your practice and your film and your, all that other stuff. Uh, and then you have to go home and study and get ready for your tests and do your homework. I mean, we're talking 15 hour days on the daily. Um, it is not a free ride. Like people like to see, you know, oh, you got a scholarship. Well, you know, it's, it is not free. It comes at a big cost. And then you, you also talk about missing classes because you're traveling or not being able to do assignments because you have to do other things that involve your team or missing huge um, 
extracurricular things involved with your studies that you can't get to because you have to do practice or, you know, it's just, there's so much involved with being a student athlete for all the student athletes, not just football, uh, you know, not just basketball. Uh, it's every student athlete. Um, Harry uh, is dating a young lady who plays tennis. And I marvel at the fact that how much they travel, you know, I thought Harry's travel was bad, but they travel nonstop and their games could be in the middle of the week. And, you know, you, these are student athletes, so it's hard. It's hard for a student athlete. Um, and you can imagine the stress that they're all under because of that. Uh, it just adds to the whole experience of being a student athlete. Absolutely. My oldest son played Division three football. And even that at that level, it's still a lot to juggle because you're doing all the things, you know, that you talked about. Not probably the you know, the media appearances and things like that. But I, I feel like there is just a lot that these student athletes have to juggle and particularly at the high level, a ton of pressure on these student mm -hmm. athletes. Mm -hmm. So tons. Yeah. And then you add in, you know, the rabid fanatics who um, feel justified and, you know, sending direct messages to these players after a game and, you know, Harry might've had a holding call or, or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and, you know, the, the messages that come through when you're, you're just trying to get over a game uh, is, <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Is it, you know, social media, it has positive uses, um, but there are so many negatives to it. And, and that's one of them. And, it, you know, if there was something that I could change, it would be, uh, along those lines. And that makes sense because, good grief, I can't believe what people will say on social media. And we've got to remember that these are, you know, 18 to 23-year-old young people. And, well, and even if they weren't, even if they were adults, you wouldn't say that to someone's face. So why no. would you do that on social media? That's just, it's awful. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I, I was even tagged in a post about my son and I responded to it. I, I don't normally respond to anything, but if you're going to tag me in a post and I think it was accidental because they, they were using something I said and then expanded on it uh, in a negative way. So I fired back and the guy was very apologetic and I didn't mean, and I said, yes, you did. Let's, let's at least be honest. You did mean it. You didn't mean to get caught. You didn't mean <laughs> yeah. me to call you, but you did mean it. Mm. And that has to stop. Yes. Um, so. Well, good yeah. for you. Because, yeah, you're right. If you didn't mean to say it, you shouldn't have. So good for you yeah. for calling him out. <laughs> Let's go back in time to when Harry was a little boy. What was he like? Uh, very serious. Uh, always wise beyond his years. Always very smart. But he struggled with depression as a young um, child at eight years old. Um, he had gone away to sleepaway camp, a sailing camp, um, out of state. And, you know, first time he went, it was fine. And then the, the next year we sent him back cause it was such a great experience. And, you know, he came home and he was like, it was a great time. I had a great time, but I don't ever want to do that again. And I was like, really? Oh, did something happen? He goes, no, mom, nothing happened. I just, I, I 
don't want to go again. I said, okay. Um, shortly after that, he started becoming very uh, anxious and um, to the point where I had to homeschool him. That was third and fourth grade. And, um, and he was having a very difficult time and we started seeing, seeking help. And like many things and many doctors and any illness that you have, you look for the, the right fit and the, the right provider. And we went through a couple before I found somebody who I truly felt uh, connected with Harry. And, um, and he started um, down that course. Now, the beginning of that started with uh, medication. And I, to be honest, uh, as an eight-year-old, I took the medication and I put it in a cabinet and I decided not to give it to him. And it wasn't because I don't believe in medicine and I don't believe that it, it doesn't help. Um, it was because he was eight years old and I was very nervous about going down that path at eight to start medication um, was, was scary for me. I, I thought, you know, let's try, let's try this therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, you know, let's try talking about it and addressing it and, and see where it goes. And so we did that for a while and, and, and noticed some improvements, but not drastically. And then I took him to a wrestling match, um, drove an hour, went myself. Uh, my husband stayed home with our, um, the younger brother at the time and um, drove all the way there and he wouldn't get out of the car. And I was furious. <laughs> I was so mad. And I got out of the car and I called my husband. I'm like, look, you know, he's having some kind of panic attack or anxiety. I don't know what is happening, but he won't get out of the car. And to be honest, I was feeling manipulated. I was like, oh no, we're not playing this game. You know, we, I drove all the way here. You're going to go in there. You're going to wrestle. We're going to go home. And that's going to be the end of it. But he, I, the look on his face was, he wasn't lying. He, there was something terribly wrong. Um, and I asked my husband, I'm like, what do you think I should do? And he said, just come home. I said, okay. So got back in the car and put the car on drive. And I started driving home and I said, Harry, I said, I want you to understand something. I said, we are going home, not because you want to. We're going home because I really feel like something is wrong. And he started to cry. And he said, Mom, can I please try that medicine that we have in the cabinet? Because I don't want to feel this way anymore. And right then and there, it hit me like, okay, you know, this, it's more than just talking. Um, and yes, we will try it. And, uh, and as soon as I got home, we started and, and he thanked me and he was so grateful that I didn't force him to do something that made him so at the time, incredibly uncomfortable, um, because he ha had not figured out how to work through anxiety. Um, and that takes years of practice and work and, um, and he did that. And, you know, by the time we got to middle school, um, he was doing fantastic. He went back to school in fourth grade at the end of fourth grade. You know, everybody was like, where have you been? He's like, ah, I went to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He told some funny stories. Um, but 
you know, he said, I'm, I want to go back. I want to be around my friends. I want to, um, I want to go back to school. And I said, okay, great, let's go. Um, and he did fine. He did fine through middle school. He did fine through high school. Um, did he stay on the then, medication while he was in junior um, high He high stayed school? on middle school. Now, now, mind you, we, we did change medications. Um, he did have uh, verbalized thoughts of suicide, uh, which was extremely scary, obviously. And I called the doctor that we were seeing at the time who prescribed the medicine. And he said, um, <laughs> kind of a scary story. Uh, Harry came down and he said, you know, mom, and this was when he's eight. He said, you know, sometimes when I'm alone, uh, and I'm by myself and I'm thinking, um, I think about killing myself. Wow. At eight years old. What? Mm. Uh, I said, you know what? He said, you know, but I'm really tired. I'm like, why don't you lay down and I'm going to call the doctor. And it was a Saturday morning. My husband was at work. I'm home by myself. Uh, I call the doctor and I said, you know, there, there's a warning on this medication for this age group. And I don't know if that's what it is or if we have something else going on, but um, I'm, I'm not comfortable with this. So he said, you know, let me let me talk to him. So I went upstairs and I knocked on the door and he didn't answer. And he said to me, um, and I'll never forget, I'm going to need you to break down the door. And I was like, oh, oh my God, like, what am I going to find on the other side of that door? And <laughs> as I was trying to get my thoughts together, um, Harry opened the door because he was sleeping. <laughs> and he told the doctor and, uh, and we decided to stop that medication. And um, yeah, so we stopped then. And then we did, we switched to another medication that was much better suited for him and, and worked wonderfully. And he stayed on that through middle school and then um, stopped in high school and, and just worked on his cognitive behavior therapy. Okay. When he was eight and having pulled out of school because of his intense anxiety, did you talk about his anxiety with anyone? Did you share that with family or friends or did you have supports during that time? Uh I don't think we really talked about it then. So eight years old, that would have been like 2009. And um, no, I, I wouldn't say that we talked about it. Um, I guess, you know, at that time, school homeschooling was kind of, you know, coming from out of the shadows and, and not so uh, scary to other people. Like, you know, you're, I'm not some kook just trying to homeschool my son. Um, and I don't mean to be that to be offensive. I loved it. Um, but uh, I, I, at the time, no, I, we didn't really talk about it. We just, you know, talked about him homeschooling, really. And then, uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't talked about. And I'm thinking back to that time, 2009. Yeah, we. I mean, we just weren't talking about mental health as a people, as a nation. And even when my son started really struggling badly about six years ago, at first, I didn't tell anybody. You know, even my mm -hmm. closest friends. So I can imagine, you know, that was several years prior that you, you just you just didn't talk about it. Right. And right. the thought of your eight year old little boy being suicidal 
to the point where you thought you were going to have to knock the door down. Mm -hmm. I, that is just terrifying. And were, there were many nights that um, his dad and I would cry in bed and wonder what we were supposed to do because those resources aren't there. The information wasn't there. Um, and yes, we're going to the doctor and we're doing the right things, but that's one hour a week. What do we do for right. the rest? A lot of hours in the week that you're worried. And, um, you know, so we just um, talked a lot. Um, had always had really good open communication. Um, so that was very helpful. And uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm grateful to see the progress we're making, but we still have a long way to go. Absolutely. I just had that conversation before we talked and I have it, I feel like a hundred times a day that we have made some progress, but we still have such a long way to go. And that's part of the reason that I'm doing this podcast is to try to help break down some of the stigma surrounding mental health and talking about it. So he's in high school. Let's fast forward. He's in high school. He's obviously dominating on the football field. He's getting attention from every major college in, in the country. And at this time, were you still concerned about his mental health or did you feel like yeah, he's got a pretty good hold on things and he's working through it. And now, um, we were not concerned because we hadn't seen the ugly in such a long time that, um, we were not concerned at all. Um, he was doing fine through high school. Um, you know, he had some anxiety here and there, but very manageable, nothing that even blipped the radar for concern. Um, you know, honestly, I, I think it was a perfect storm that hit in college. Um, and it was around, you know, 2020. Uh, and it it was challenging, I think, for so many students. But if you have a history of anxiety and depression and you throw in isolation and you throw in the on-again, off-again season and the anxiety that that causes, which was awful, um, that, that we can do a whole podcast on at another time. <laughs> um, then you throw in uh, a lot of things, some things I can't really talk about uh, sure. or, or won't talk about at this time, but there were a lot of factors that created a perfect storm for this to happen again. And, um, you know, that, this is what happens, you know, but it's okay because he's yeah. okay. Exactly. Let's talk about what happened. Again, Harry has been very public with his journey and you have been public. And I'm guessing that still doesn't make it any easier to talk about. I know it doesn't for me. And I haven't had the spotlight. Yeah. No, because it, it, it makes it harder. Um, because when you want the uh, the quiet and and <laughs> to be left alone and the privacy, you don't have that. So, um, at first, when when he went to Ryan Day um, and he told 
Coach Day what was going on. Uh, to be Coach Day thought Harry was coming to go over film. They were going to look at film together. And Harry was like, that's not why I'm here. And he goes, oh, okay. So he sits back and relaxes. He goes, so what's up? And Harry said, and Harry told him. He said, when I go home, I think all I think about is killing myself. And <laughs> poor Ryan Day was absolutely shocked, uh, stunned. And um, Harry had called me uh, the night before and told me how he was feeling. And I said, okay, the first thing you need to do is call Coach Day and have a conversation with him. Because this was a week out from the first game, uh, maybe 10, it was about seven to 10 days out. Uh, I said, you need to talk to him because he needs to get somebody behind you ready. I said, first, I said, second, we need to get you help. Um, so he needs to know what's going on. And I said, and in the meantime, I'm going to be driving up there. So if you want to meet together, we can do that. Or if you want to meet with him on your own, uh, and I can meet you back at the apartment, you know, that's, that's okay too. You know, whatever you want. He goes, no, I'll go, I'll speak with him. Um, I'll meet you back at the apartment. So that's what he decided to do. And by the time I got there, they had already spoken. And when Harry, he told Harry, you know, go ahead and, and go oh, home. Wow. And Harry's like, no, I'm okay. I'm going to go practice. <laughs> what? So, uh, and coach day called me and we had a conversation and then the three of us met the following day and, uh, Harry was hesitant to be on medication. Um, he didn't like the way it felt. He didn't like being numb. He didn't like not having, not just not having, uh, anxious feelings, but having no feelings. He's like, I can't even be happy when I'm around my friends. I, he was so flat. Mm. He, he, it was making him actually more depressed, um, if you could believe it, because the, you know, the very thing that was supposed to help him was, was just giving him yeah. zero personality and, and emotion. And, and he didn't like it. Um, but Ryan talked to him and he said, you know, um, there are other things you can try. And he said, and, and this is a health issue and any other health issue, you would not hesitate to take medication. So if you had cancer or if you had, uh, you know, any illness and prescription or medication was prescribed, you wouldn't think about not taking it. He said, why don't you at least be open to the possibility? And if it's recommended, seriously consider it. And Harry agreed. Um, so that was the path. And then it started with, you know, obviously therapy all over again started uh, with the sports psychologist. Uh, fortunately, Coach Day had many people in place already sports psychiatry to do the medication and talk to him. And he was fantastic. Um, so a lot of people pulling for him and helping along the way. And this was in the fall of 2021, correct? So the fall of, um, yes, this, okay. yeah. Following it was right after camp. Um, he went into camp and I'm, you know, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, this is, this is going to be a great year. I mean, it could have been this year that, that he went, you know, or that year that he went uh, to the draft. If he had a successful year, we were already talking with multiple agents, interviewing about 10 different agents that were calling, wanting to represent him. And they were all, you know, telling him 
where he could land with a, a really good successful year and uh you know low first round high second round um with a good year uh and you know it was all just coming together and i'll, I'll admit i i'm guilty for being the excited parent thinking i'm supporting his dream not knowing that it was causing him more anxiety because here I am, you're going to have a great year. You're, you're going to be, uh, you know, starting as a, as the center, you're going to, um, the, the line's going to do great. You're the season's going to be great. Uh, at the end of it, you know, you could go into the draft and, you know, Yahoo just going naming all these accolades and awards and things that were, you know, already lining up for him. And it was just causing even more pressure. Um, and for parents, this is really important to understand because you have to make sure that when you speak to your kids about the things that they do, that you remember that they are just things that they do. Um, Harry is not just a football player. He's a great kid. He's a kid. He's a man now. Um, but he's so much more than a football player. Um, and when you focus so much on supporting that dream, um, sometimes, oftentimes, you lose yourself in um, your identity, and uh, or the the players do, the athletes do, um, and that's true for every sport, for every every player. Um, so much focus is put on their performance and and what they bring to the the team or the product that they put on the, on the field, um, that you forget, uh, to support the person. Um, so if, if I had something to say to a parent, it would be, you know, just be very careful on, uh, making sure that you, um, you know, remind them that I don't, I don't just love you because you're a football player, you know, uh, or the things that you're doing. I love you. I love to watch you play. Sorry. That's my cat screaming in the background. Actually, it's Harry's cat. He's, Aww. he's in Europe for the summer <laughs> <laughs> and I'm cat sitting. Of course. That's what we do. <laughs> yes. So very important to, um, make sure you distinguish between the player and the person. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine that at that level, especially that that is that gets very muddled very easily. And, you know, I, I heard you say, you, you know, if you could go back or, or, you know, that you felt badly that you were part of the anxiety building. But I just want you to know as another mom, like you didn't know that at the no. time you were supporting what you thought was his dream. Right. Correct. I mean, he, he was invited to um, a, a big O-line summit um, out in Texas, uh, and he was excited to do that, you know, and, and, and he went. And, you know, he was excited to go to camp, and he went. And we were meeting all these agents, and he was a part of the process. I mean, I, I wasn't doing this stuff. <laughs> um, I wasn't asking to do it. Um, we thought we were just supporting it. Um, but, you know, some of these kids are, are under even more pressure. Some of these kids that go play sports um, and are sending their stipends home. I mean, they already are making money for their families. Yeah. And can, you can imagine how much more pressure it is for them to do that. Um, 
yeah. So, yeah, we we didn't know that we were a part of the problem at the time. While you were there, we were just discussing, you know, a couple days into it, immediate help is mobilized, which is also a very fortunate situation. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have access to that kind of help that quickly. But thankfully you did and, and Harry did. And I know I read... Um, what you wrote about how long you stayed and you said something to the effect of, you know, I drove up to Ohio not knowing how long I was going to be there. And then Mm -hmm. you were there for quite a while. Would you talk about that? Yeah. um, I, I threw an overnight bag together. I figured I'd be there for a couple of days. I I really had no idea. Um, But then when I got there, uh, and I saw how bad it really was. I was like, there's no way I'm leaving. Um, we had a, you know, an apartment that uh, we shared with Harry. It was actually our apartment that we got for us to come up for games and holidays because, you know, again, athletes don't come home for holidays. That's right. So, you know, we made our uh, our living accommodations comfortable for us to be up there as much as possible. Um, so he was living in that apartment. Um and uh, I stayed and we went to multiple appointments and I was just, and he, he, at no point did he stop going to school. And I even asked him, you know, do you want to come home for a while? Um, do you want to transfer someplace closer to home? And it was always no, 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 no. I am not leaving Ohio State. Um, I love Ohio State. Uh, I love the path that I'm on for engineering. Uh, And at that point, you know, we didn't know what was happening with football either. So that was just in a holding pattern uh, at the time. And um, so, you know, one day, two days, one week, two weeks, and now I'm acting in a supporting role. I'm I'm being the mom. I'm preparing meals. I'm going to the grocery store. I'm running errands. I'm, you know, I'm just given the little extra TLC, the little extra attention, the little, uh, let's remove a little bit of pressure. Um, and just, just be here, just be here to listen. Sometimes we would both sit in silence, reading a book or watching a movie. We watch tons of movies. Harry loves movies. And, and he always picks one, picks movies that I never heard of. And I'm like, Oh my God, this was a great movie. Um, so, uh, yeah. And then, it turned into almost two months, mm. but it was clear that he was doing well. And then it became my problem. Then it became me being afraid to leave. And I literally walked to the elevator and I pushed the button and he walked me there. And I looked at him and I said, please don't leave me. I won't, I won't be able to make it. Please don't leave me. I said, promise me. And he said, I promise, mom, I won't leave you. And I said, okay. You know, I had read that someplace. You know, I had read, and I learned early on, always have honest discussions. You know, talking about suicide doesn't make somebody commit suicide. Not talking about it does. So um, I knew from early on that um, this was not a subject that I would shy away from. And nor would I not ask him not to take his life. Because he knew that I, you know, and I don't know if if it made a difference, if it makes a difference or not. Um, But I I wanted to say it and I wanted to hear it. 
uh, and I got on the elevator and I had to drive eight hours home. And the whole time I just kept thinking about, was that the last time that I would see him? And uh, it was very, very hard, very hard. And of course, um, it came with the contract of keeping in touch, uh, how we were going to connect, um, realizing that depression is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting. And somebody that is in that position doesn't always want to talk. Um, so, you know, I said, all right, I'm going to do a daily check-in. So if I check in and I say, you know, I'm check just checking in for today. How, you know, how are you today? Um, even if you just give me a thumbs up, I, I need to know that you're on the other end of that phone. Um, if I call, you know, and you're in the shower or you're in a class or you're sleeping or whatever, just say, can't talk. I'll call you back, you know, later. I, I just, I, I just need to know that the other end of that phone is still there. Um, and it's not going to be abusive. I'm not going to be checking in every five minutes. You know, this is in the beginning, it was once a day in the evening because evenings are the most difficult. It's when everything is quiet and everybody's gone home and you're at home in the dark by yourself with your thoughts. Um, so, um, it would be, you know, every evening I would check in and, you know, see how his day was. And then after a little bit, it, it stretched out to maybe every other day. And then, uh, you know, maybe every three days. So, you know, over time it got less and less, obviously. Um, and as he improved, uh, you know, obviously I didn't worry, but you can imagine the anxiety on our end if I'm not hearing back from him. Yes. Um, and that's not something that ever goes away. You know, I I'm definitely have my own uh, post-traumatic stress uh, from this experience because um, I can recall the feelings of when he called me, of being in the doctor, of seeing all of it. I can recall all of it as if it were yesterday and, and I could immediately be transported back in time and in feeling uh, and thought yeah. because that's how rough it is. Yeah. It's not just the person who's depressed. It affects everybody close to them. Yes. And you wrote something about feeling like you couldn't breathe. Yep. And you're the first person that I've talked to who has said that other than myself, that I felt mm -hmm. like at points I just couldn't even breathe. Mm-hmm. And I guess unless you've experienced that, it's really hard to explain to someone else. But it is. It feels like um, you're constantly thinking and worried and, and planning and trying to figure out. And it's nonstop. Go, 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 go. And it wasn't for many months, maybe six months, that I finally sat back and I felt like I I finally exhaled and then took a deep breath and I'm like, Oh my God, I don't, I feel like I haven't taken a breath in six months. This is the first of a two part series with Christina Miller, mom of Harry Miller, retired football player at the Ohio state university. My conversation with Christina will continue on episode two of season four, which will be available Tuesday, October 3rd. 
please make sure to subscribe, rate, and share these episodes. And thanks again for listening to the Just a Mom podcast. If you or someone you know is struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 988. Wanna see you smile again, take away that pain in them clouds that keep covering up the sun. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please share this with your friends and anyone you think may find these interviews helpful. Thanks again for listening to Just a Mom.